1: Welcome to That's A Hard No, the podcast about learning to say no and set boundaries to live our best lives. I'm your host, Heather Drago. You may think because of this podcast that I'm a boundary setting expert, but I'm not. I'm an expert at struggling to set boundaries, but you know what? I'm working on it and it is getting easier. Follow along with me as I learn from fellow strugglers and experts so that you too can start saying no without feeling fear, guilt, or FOMO. with Dr. Angeline Chang, a Grammy Award-winning classical pianist and professor of music at Cleveland State University. She is, in fact, the first female American classical pianist to win a Grammy, which is super cool. Oh, thank you. She is also the first American to win the Premier Prix Piano and Premier Prix Musique de Chambre Awards in the same year from the renowned Conservatoire National Superior I don't say that right. De Musique de Paris, which means Paris Music Conservatory. Sorry, that's my middle no, that's school good. French. <laughs> In addition to her many honors and credentials, she's earned a Doctor of Musical Arts degree at Peabody Conservatory at Johns Hopkins University and holds a law degree from the Cleveland State University College of Law. So, you know. She's a total slacker.
0: (laughs) you got to relax sometimes.
1: Dr. Chang, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's a delight to meet you. Oh, it's a delight to meet you, Heather. Great pleasure being here. Based on everything I just told everyone, I mean, you're obviously a high-achieving individual. I imagine there's been a lot of pressure. Some of that self-imposed, maybe, or? I would have to say no. (laughs) No? No?
0: Okay. Tell me why. Well, I think this is a passion. What I do, what I love to do, I'll start from the educator side. I love to turn dreams into reality for my students. And I also believe it's very important to be, well, to practice what one preaches. Mm -hmm. So let's just go, maybe not in order of what you had mentioned, but for example, a lot of people ask me, law school, why law? I teach music law and entertainment law at our wonderful Cleveland State University College of Law. I love it there, and I'm a proud alum. At the same time, how I got started was because I, as a musician, Somebody who's been through conservatories, and as you mentioned, the Paris, Paris Conservatoire, Conservatoire National Superieur de Musique de Paris. That's how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a little long, but you know. Yeah. So um, just seeing students that are going into music not necessarily know much outside of music. Mm, mm-hmm. Now, I believe that music is all about life. But the reverse isn't quite true for me. Life can't just be about music. So I thought, well, I think something's very important to know is about the law, our legal system, how things work, especially in this country, in the United States where we are. That's very, very important to everyday
2: life. Mm -hmm.
0: So I started taking classes and it snowballed. Like I said, it's such a wonderful school at Cleveland State. The College of Law is fantastic. I just really got into it. It was phenomenal. I love it there. I continue to love it there. It's still so fresh. And so that's basically how it happened. So it's, I think, a very natural progression for me. And I also see a lot of similarities between, let's say, law and music, because there are a lot of transferable skills both ways. What are the transferable skills? Well, um, as some of my students who do composition or piano know, that there are a lot of elements that one has to to understand all at the same time there's a lot of analysis that goes on in music mm-hmm. just like in law there's not necessarily one way there's looking at various different sides so there's not just one interpretation in music there's several true true right and it's a matter of getting one's point across artistically through great technique that really ensures that they can move forward. And so similar type of things in the law as well. Interesting.
1: Wow. I never would have thought of that. (laughs) That's fantastic. So I hear you saying that you believe there should be balance in life, even when you're high achieving and that you need to make room for living. Have you had to set boundaries for yourself or, um, you know, how have you structured your life in order to make that, that balance happen?
0: Well, I will admit it. It is it is a tricky thing to do because mm-hmm. for me there aren't enough en- enough hours in the day to do everything that oh I'm, I often get so excited about different things that come up, different interests. Right. That it really is. It, it's, it's sometimes hard to sleep because oh I want to do this and I want to do that or you know just not enough. So I've attempted to create balance. Not to say that I'm I found the one way. But a lot of times just taking inventory to see what is your, what's important, what's your priority, mm-hmm. what is a purpose that you're trying to achieve in your long-term goal, for example. I mean, it might not be, of course, one goal, but there might be one overarching passion that you do have that you see a through line with. Mm-hmm. And then you can start branching out from there, sort of like a mind map in that sense, and seeing how does it overlap with other areas what is that one thing that really turns on for you you know turns it all like into greatness for you so focus on that focus on that and see how things relate to each other mm-hmm. and then of course we can you know put in a like a lot of time management folks will 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 do okay how do you plug it in how do you schedule it in mm-hmm. Uh, But, of course, life happens when you're (laughs)
1: planning other things, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. I've started to understand that one of the things that makes it difficult for me to say no sometimes is FOMO. Like, as we succeed, more opportunities arise. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm afraid that if I say no, then I'm going to shut the door to this opportunity forever in the future. And I've had to teach myself, like, you know, if you do it right... You can keep that door open and maybe when it's right, you can go back. But it's it's been hard to to learn that. And I'm assuming once you've won a Grammy and all these other amazing awards um, and as you've become more and more well-known, I'm imagining lots of opportunities come your way and you have to kind of sort through them. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: And again, it's like, what is your passion? What is it that really um, that, that lights you up? Yeah.
0: And that's it's it's sort of like that Marie Kondo thing. Oh, does it bring you
1: joy? Absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. This may come from a an assumption that's incorrect. But I'm wondering what it's like having come up in what I perceive as a male dominated field. Classical mm-hmm. piano, classical music in general. Mm-hmm. Um when we think about boundaries and saying no and living our best lives and finding balance and just navigating work and life, um, how has that come into play, just being a woman in the field? Mm. I have to admit, it's something that I've
0: more recently, I guess, allowed myself to feel mm. than before, mm-hmm. before I, I wouldn't. That wouldn't be part of my vocabulary. We're all people. We, we're doing what we're doing, but I have noticed, um, in hindsight, how it seems that um, it it could be a lot more open than it used than I I've seen in the past. And and I have to say, what has really opened my eyes has been international travel, because you know, born and raised in the states, in the Midwest, one grows up to. Um, and it's very true on 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 many levels that we in the United States are you know the greatest country on earth, blah blah blah, and everything is you know the way it should be. Well, when I went to France, for example, and went to Europe to study and other other places internationally, I would notice that there are more women in leadership roles, really, yes, other countries that we might even consider to be. Third World or Mm
1: -hmm. not like
0: a great United States of America, they have presidents who are women. Yeah. More than one, not just one. Yeah. And um, many in leadership roles. And what I felt in France was there was a celebration of different characteristics. It wasn't that, okay, you're a female, and in order to be respected, you have to act like a male.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. That's one thing that I took away that it's like, hmm, You know, and that's part of the culture there and other places too. But that's one thing that I didn't have and sometimes still don't see as much in the United States Mm -hmm. to this day. It's almost that one has to be supposedly uh, considered to have male characteristics in order to be, oh, somebody who... They
1: have to adapt or adopt different behaviors in Mm. order to, that they perceive as male. Mm Mm-hmm. When in mm-hmm. fact they're just behaviors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what was it like winning the Grammy? Was it totally surreal? Did you know it was coming? Was it a surprise? Oh, it was surreal. It was really
0: surreal. Um, yeah. It, it, you know. It, 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 but it's something to be celebrated. Like I can not say it was just over the top. Um, just to be nominated.
2: Mm-hmm. You know.
0: So. Uh, with the Grammys, I don't know if you know this, but it is a peer recognition, so it's not just a panel of judges, right. and it's not a popular vote, meaning it's not just the general population. It's actually it's not the general population at all. It's others who are in your field doing what you're doing, right. your peers, and so f- for that, that's that's something really special to be recognized by folks who are doing mm-hmm. what you're doing, mm-hmm. music makers who are professionals. And so that's, that's really over the top. The other thing for me that was extremely special, now it's wonderful to win a Grammy, more than wonderful to win a Grammy, but what it was for. And this brings me back to my being an educator, why I'm an educator, but, um, um, and also brings me to France. So when I studied in Paris, I studied, my teachers included Olivier Messiaen, the great French composer really great, meaning the past century, one of the greatest, most recognized and during his lifetime recognized. Uh, and Yvonne Norio Messian, who was his wife, and she was my piano teacher at the Conservatoire as well. And they were both my mentors and teachers. Wow. And so what I won the Grammy for was a work by Olivier Messiaen entitled Oiseaux Exotiques, Exotic Birds. That was done right here in Cleveland at Cleveland State University with the uh, Cleveland Chamber Symphony. I was a soloist, so it was the category was Best Instrumental Soloist with Orchestra. Wonderful. And it was just it's just fabulous to be able to bring that back and make it full circle because it felt like it really honored those who gave so much to me. Right. And right. to to be able to honor those who you know, were my my educators.
1: Let's talk about them. Sure. In your Grammy award speech, I think you you mentioned the people who've taught you. Oh, how did you know that? I do my research. Oh wow! <laughs> and I was very moved by that. Oh. You know, I I I think education is everything. And yes. so, um, tell me about some of your teachers and some of the things they've taught you. Yeah, absolutely. And just as an aside, I
0: it was it was funny because, um, I really stated what was in my heart about educators at the Grammys and um, didn't expect anything. But, you know, you say a few words and I got a standing ovation. Yeah. And
1: I was like, oh, my gosh. I think everyone could agree with that sentiment. They could feel it. "Yeah, Yeah. 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 And, and didn't isn't there a, now an educators award? You got too? it. Yeah, you got yeah. it. Yeah, you
0: did your research.
1: Well, you know, sometimes.
0: Oh, awesome! Really? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sure. Yeah. So I I'm so thrilled about that because shortly after the music music educators award was established at the Grammys, it's still still happening to this day, and uh, the cash prize is a lot more than my cash prize when I won the Grammy. <laughs> Meaning, there's there's actually a cash prize, <laughs> expense-paid trip, but Um, for me I I got a trophy and I'm I'm very happy with that trophy (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're not turning you're not returning it anytime soon it's good it's all good but yeah but another one of my teachers and um, so many of my teachers looking back um, just phenomenal and they I'd say one of the three lines that I've discovered and really resonated with is to find what's genuine within yourself a lot of times in classical music or sometimes just schooling. You know how Mark Twain said he tried not to let schooling get in the way of his education. <laughs> so um, I find that that can be very true, where a lot of students or a lot of people will try to mimic others instead of taking instead of discovering their own personalities, what's truly authentic within. And I think nowadays it's a little bit better. People are recognizing that. But I'd say... Mm-hmm. Um, it it t- took some time for us to really connect with that 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 concept. In the past, we'd have a lot of competitions, especially in the states. Um, when I was growing up, it seemed like everything was just fast and loud and like a machine, and mm-hmm. that would that mm-hmm. would garner a first prize. Mm-hmm. But not in not in for example in France, uh, or other countries, it really seemed like they recognized the artistic qualities of the individual. I won't name. Who the pianist was but i remember in, when i was in paris so we're talking about paris uh, i would go to all the recitals and concerts and went to a piano series really famous pianist Why oh, so admired and he's still admired greatly uh, for the recordings were just perfect note perfect just everything was perfect so i thought oh i have to hear this this pianist live so i did and it sounded just like a recording
2: no, perfect.
0: Everything was perfect, but something just left me a little empty. You now I felt like this sounds like a recording, doesn't? There's something missing. And would you know it? And this, I don't think, would happen in the United States, but Paris, they're they're pretty uh, um, pretty frank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, next day, the headlines read for the review, concert review, perfect, but so what?
1: Wow, harsh.
0: That but, is so I have to say that's how I felt, yeah, and it was then, flat, it was just it was just it was perfect, but yeah, it didn't really bring something um mm-hmm. and i I felt that it was there was something missing, and then I realized, yeah, this is the right place for me, because that's how i how I felt, mm-hmm. and so you know that's also another important point is that one has to go with where one feels there's a fit and Sure, it's good to have discipline and do what one needs to do to understand the system, but also understand where there is a fit for oneself. I think yeah. that that goes along with your uh, balance question, yeah, too. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, if it doesn't feel authentic to you, exactly, then, you know, you're not going to do it as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as you would something else. Yeah,
0: you you might do it really well, but you might feel awful in the bit. <laughs> In the meantime, yeah.
1: But so what? Like exactly. as the headline says, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what do you think sets a performance apart, or a, or a musician apart? Is it is it them? It's that self expression element, or yeah, it is that authenticity, that connection. One feels that, yeah. You
0: no, know, it's um, and it, it goes across all genres. It's it, art and all that. If it's if it's just a copy then, you know, it's just a copy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So one of the one of the things in art school, for example, uh, I, I would see, well, when I was in school, I would see, go to the museums, and I would see art students bring out their easel and copy the masters, which is great to understand the language of how it's done. Right. But no matter how good that copy is, it's not the original. Right, right. If it's a Rembrandt, copy of a Rembrandt, fantastic, but it's not a Rembrandt.
1: Right. They're not going to be the original, but what they bring to it can make it their own. hmm Absolutely. Okay, we'll be right back. That's a Hard Note is brought to you by Clever Girl Marketing And we're back with Dr. Angeline Chang. So, do you ever get performance anxiety? Hmm. Or did
0: you what do at you one mean, time? Uh, like, what do you mean by Like performing anxiety? on
1: stage. I would think, mm-hmm. you know, you're, in, you're with the orchestra and you're playing and there's a, an auditorium full of people. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever suffered from performance anxiety? Well, I think
0: one can reference it as a concern to do one's best, perhaps maybe that's what it is. And I find that a lot of times those type of anxiousness of, oh, you know, not being able to perform stems from not thinking so much about what your task is or what you're about expressing the music as opposed to focused on yourself. And so for me, that's a red flag. That's a reminder if that should happen. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm here to project the music, what it means to the audience, to those who are listening. It's not about me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, if people have performance anxiety, one of the go-to places to to do a check-in. Are you thinking more about yourself, or are you thinking more about what your purpose is here? Mm-hmm. And, um they'll take care of it for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. You just refocus, get out of your own head. Mhm. Nice. Mm-hmm. But the other side of that too is sometimes performance anxiety for a lot of folks, let's say, because with pianists a lot of times there's this memorization component, just too many pages to turn, you know. So, uh especially in classical music. A lot of times that or some other slip, technical slip, a flub isn't necessarily because let's say of just a mental cog in concentration, but something technical that wasn't wasn't solved. Something, some issue, physical issue mm-hmm. that wasn't completely worked out. Mm-hmm. And so that leads me to another area where we were talking about my teachers earlier. And one of my teachers is uh, renowned for pioneering injury prevention techniques. And that's something to this day, I continually teach my students. Mm-hmm. I went to some programs because I, as somebody who was in conservatories, and I would see the to the left and right of me, amazing talents, amazing talents. Might have bandages around their fingers, mm-hmm. slings, braces on their arms, and those who had went all the way to the doctorate level and all of a sudden changed majors because of injury types of Performance-related injury types of, of uh, issues. Awful, awful, That's really awful, awful. really After awful. After all that
1: time and exactly effort, wow. exactly, yeah. So my thought,
0: especially because I knew that I would not only be a performer, but also an educator. It's like if there's something I can do about that, mm-hmm. I'm going to. Yeah. No matter how small of a contribution, let me see if there's something.
1: So do you know who Neil Pert is? probably the world's greatest drummer. He was the drummer for Rush. Oh right. Um who I got to see in concert. I love Rush. I'm a big yes. rock and roll girl. Um interestingly enough, he he had some um family tragedies and he kind of quit playing for a while. He did a road trip across Canada and stuff. When he came back to playing, he realized um he he had some injuries and he was really struggling. He he literally the world's greatest drummer relearned how to play drums properly so he wouldn't injure himself. He literally took lessons on how to, like, change his Mm -hmm. the way he sat, the way he held his sticks, everything. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and I just think that's the most fascinating thing. Here is this man who is, you know, world-renowned, won how many awards, and he realized, oh, there's room for improvement here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so, Mm -hmm. you know, we're always learning. Yeah, because, you
0: know, artists with passion, a lot of times we want to get that musical feeling across at all costs. Any cost,
2: mm-hmm.
0: at the detriment to it doesn't matter. You know how we're struggling, and I think that's 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 the issue because sometimes we don't realize what we're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. We're all
0: hunched over sometimes and trying to do things, and you know there there is that's, that's an unnecessary
1: struggle. If it hurts, there's something going on. So when I went to art school, I was a painting major, and that was like the the, like the genius like mm-hmm. really hard to get into and we mm-hmm. were all going to be the starving artists in new york and mm-hmm. yeah that didn't happen there's a certain kind of for lack of a better word machismo we all kind of had like mm-hmm. no pain no gain like mm-hmm. you said and it was like yeah we're all starving and exhausted and malnourished and you know painting on bed sheets but that's what you got to do. You got to pay your dues. And, you know, eventually I hit a moment where I was like, yeah, no, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So do you think there's some of that with the young, serious, classical musician students where they feel like they have to power through and pay their dues? Yeah, I think so.
0: Absolutely. I remember I went through that. I I thought, well, I really, you know, things were hard for me. Like, For example, even going to Europe, I was was very young. I was a teenager and um, all on my own and trying to figure things out. You know, I took French, but it's not the same if you're you know, to some degree it was true, yeah, a lot of this these make great stories and it's part of my experience and background. And I, I thought, well, you know, anything that I have, including, you know, depression or whatever, it's it's all in the name of art and uh any struggles, you know, any experiences is, is, is to be had. And I remember, you know, whatever bad experience and that's you know, that's that's one thinks it's a great attitude. I remember my father saying to me, now, there are some
1: experiences we just don't want to have. Oh, I guess he's right. <laughs> yeah. When you're stuck in it, though, it's so hard to see clearly.
0: It's hard to see clearly, but one still feels something's off.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm so happy that nowadays, especially this month, isn't it Mental Awareness yes, Month? Yes, Mental Health also? Awareness Month. Yeah. yeah. That it's becoming more aware. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Listen to your... Right, Inner voice. Inner listen, voice.
0: Yeah. And there are numbers that we can call directly to get yeah, help. Absolutely. I don't remember that existing or at least being so, let's um, say, accepted um, as it was before. I mean, now it's like recognizing that yeah. there. Are,
1: there isn't so much of a stigma. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I heard you talking about something that totally fascinates me. and This is a special Yamaha piano mm. that you are somehow involved in the development of. Do I have that right, or no? Oh, you're talking about the disclavier piano. Yes, yes, yes. yeah. Yes. Tell me, I I know this is totally side, like tangent. It's so fascinating, and it's a whole like I heard you describing like you could time visuals with mm-hmm. with the music, or like tell me
0: what yes. that's all about, especially with your your artistic. Yeah, the background, visual stuff right? was like, whoa, uh-huh. yeah, 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 this is so cool. So there are a couple things. I I love to merge different senses. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that I did recently, and I'm going to, well, you know, stay tuned maybe next spring also if you guys are into it. I've been working with a person who does 3D visual mapping or 3D projection mapping and immersing like 360. Oh, wow. Yeah, type of experience with with, the... with piano constant with yeah. classical music, mm-hmm. classical piano. So stay tuned to that. And that's uh that was part of really the Firefish Festival and uh part of something that we have in Lorraine that was Firefish. But also the Firefish Festival itself was also inspired by something that we have here in Cleveland, the Ingenuity Festival mm-hmm. yes. of Arts and Technology.
2: Yeah.
0: So one of the things that I did for at the early stages of ingenuity, was I'll use this special piano, the disc clavier, the disc clavier too. What it does, and you just imagine—you remember those days of silent movies where maybe say the pianist or organist or whomever would play to the movies, right? Right. This is the opposite. So I would play, and then it would trigger visuals instead. That's amazing too. Yeah, me. according to what I played. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So the idea is that the piano, it's a traditional acoustic, beautiful, regular concert piano, plus plus MIDI components on the inside of the the piano so that it could actually uh, trigger a computer Mm -hmm. and the computer would uh, trigger those images. So that's one, one other aspect which is really cool about the disc clavier. One of the things that it can do, for example, if you were to play the piano, here, and we have it set up. Over in CSU, I have the same model. The keys and pedals and everything would be able to play in my studio. What you're doing here would be mimicked, or vice versa. Oh, that's crazy. Really crazy. So at CSU, we're the first school to
1: actually do that type of audition a few years back. Uh, Oh, wow. So someone could audition from anywhere in the world? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we could sync it to video.
0: Oh, wow. That's right, so we could see the person playing. But the sound and the keys and the pedal would be moving on our acoustic piano. So there's not this issue about recording quality.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it'd be an ac- acoustic wow. performance. And we could actually see what's going on. Could that be used as a teaching tool? Absolutely. And that's what I use as a teaching tool, too. Wow. Now, some of my students might know that, uh, you know, they can fudge on some of their scale fingerings. Or, but the notes and stuff, you can actually see some of it dip down further or you know and yeah. they're like sometimes like no 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 this is good i played it it was it was fine it was fine and it's like really let's let's take a look
1: and slow mo it down so for those watching on video across the way noah our wonderful editor is supervising and <laughs> noah studied under dr cheng so she's making faces at him because i think maybe he tried to fudge his scales a little oh, bit oh no no never not <laughs> noah but no one knows what i'm talking
0: about He a, a lot f- he says <laughs> yeah Yeah. but he's seen that piano in my studio
1: that's fantastic we can slow
0: it down we can change the volume we can change all sorts of things on that and noah's a fantastic it was fantastic student of course otherwise i wouldn't be here so
1: i feel like these kinds of technologies this merging of technology and music i know i always hear about the graying of the audience for classical music do you think this is one of those ways to kind of Engage new audiences or? I think it's possible. Yeah. yeah. For me,
0: that's my purpose. And I for me, I, I think it's very engaging myself to be able to merge different media.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's next for you? Anything new coming up? Any new pieces
0: you're working on? Sure. So if you're listening in, in the summer of 2023, then I am going to be performing that solar eclipse that's going to happen in April 2024. Mm-hmm. So I'm planning to do a, like I mentioned before, an immersive concert with classical oh, piano wow. and themed around those visuals I had mentioned to you. Oh, how exciting. Yes. So it's going to be 3D projection mapping. I'm working with an artist, Kevin Jackson, who's phenomenal. Just, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And where is that going to take place? That's going to be
0: in Lorraine at the Palace Theater. Okay. So Lorraine, Ohio, it's west of Cleveland. That's so right. Come
1: to Cleveland, people. That's right. Come to Cleveland
0: i'm just I'm just really thrilled about doing things that I love and exploring outside the zone. So yeah. I really encourage listeners and everybody to really do that. Do that for yourselves, but not just for yourselves. It helps others to
1: see that. Yeah. Wonderful advice. Well, thank you so much. It's been wonderful having you on. Thank you. It's my great pleasure, Heather. Really great. <laughs> thank you. We good? We're good. Got questions or a boundary setting success like, story? It's easy to get in touch with us. Send an email through our website, hardnopodcast.com. DM us on social, we're at hardnopodcast, or leave a message at 216 370 3410. We'll be featuring some of our favorite questions and messages in future mailbag episodes. So get in touch. You can find show notes and a transcript of today's episode on our website, hardknowpodcast.com. Make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite listening platform so you don't miss any new episodes. And if you liked what you heard, please give us a rating and review, especially on Apple so others can find us too. That's a Hard Know is a production of Clever Girl Marketing, my strategic marketing agency based here in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. You can learn all about us at clevergirlmarketing.com. It's written by me, Heather Drago, and our amazing marketing and production coordinator, Mara del Rosario. Production support, Evergreen Podcast, Noah Fouts, producer and editor extraordinaire. Our awesome new rock anthem was written by Noah and performed by his band, The Big Leagues. I love it so much. Thank you. Shout out to Jake Donnelly, the videographer and photographer who's the creative force behind our YouTube videos. You demand, Jake.